now listening to Right at the Fork. This is Chris Angeles, and we do Portland's Food Scene podcast here, where you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio uh, and rightatthefork.com and on Twitter at foodpodcastpdx. Uh, today is a great day for those of you who are uh, fans of Little Bird, one of our great Portland restaurants, and even Le Pigeon, because you're going to hear a little of uh, what went on or what goes on behind the scenes at Le Pigeon from Eric Van Clay, who is the executive chef at Le Little Bird and has been so since its inception. And uh, as you know, Little Bird is one of our most highly praised restaurants in Portland. It's a place I love to tell, take people or tell people to go when they're in town, when they need to, or when they should experience the Portland food scene. So we're going to talk to Eric, who got here by way of Michigan and Scottsdale, Arizona. And you'll hear that uh, he read some articles and ran across uh, Scott Dolich's menu, and that's what got him to Portland, Oregon. Let's hear Eric Van Clay's story. He's got all the liquids. (laughs) And the proverbial salt and straw T-shirt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I don't have one of those. Um, I probably have salt and straw on shirts. They're, but not... they're, they're a great fit, and it's, uh, you know, handsome T-shirt. Yeah, it, you look good in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now that it's fall, I can maybe go back to salt and straw. So. That's, well, I think I don't think so. The lines may dwindle now. I don't know about that. Do you think so? <laughs> Possibly. I, you, I, I, I got my fingers crossed. Do you believe the lines? <laughs> I can't believe the lines I everywhere. Be, I can't believe the lines. Uh, but I, and I, I will be, it won't shock me that if you drive by there on a rainy night in December, there will be people waiting outside. More than likely. Uh, I, I usually shoot for three or four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, you can have lunch at Pac Pac still comfortably at that hour, too. And, oh, that's a good time. And then maybe get ice cream afterwards. Oh, so you're at Division. There's a lot you can do down there. There's a lot you can do down there. Cool. So, how are things at, uh, at Little Bird? Uh, I think they're busy. I think they're going well. You've been there. You've been the guy, the go-to guy there since uh, since it opened. Since since we opened, yeah, I think uh, December fifth uh, will be will be five years. Wow, that's fantastic! And you're still there in the conversation and the reservation list. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. It is hard to do. How do you keep it? Relevant? Yeah. How do you keep it relevant? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I noticed, I noticed recently that your burger has now got your stamp on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just time, I think, you know, between the pigeon and and uh, the little bird, it was kind of time to to separate brands a little bit. Um, and uh, honestly, we just, I thought we had a hard time producing the pigeon burger out of that space. It just didn't, uh, it didn't translate very well from one restaurant to the other. Why is that? I'm curious about that. I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. It's um, a, a lot of what you do out of any given kitchen is dictated by the space itself. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we, we took something that worked so well out of one space and tried to replicate it out of a second. And it just didn't, uh, it didn't feel right. Um, and then I thought that we, anyways, between Gabe and I, felt that there was a difference in the product. That the you know the pigeon burger was one way in one place and, and another way across the river. And uh, you, you know you, you tra- try to shoot for some sense of consistency, and we didn't feel like we were nailing it. I could see that in the beginning, 
it would make sense to bring, you know, to say you can get the Pigeon Burger now at Little Bird as kind of a marketing thing. And then at some point, no, you could stand on your own two feet. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's time. But does it bother you at all that people talk about burgers? That, that uh, that's what your restaurant is judged on uh, uh, often? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's everybody's still burger crazy. And, um, you know, if you're going to be judged on that, um, you, you just hope that you're putting together a good one, that you're, you're being judged fairly on a product that you, you, you put some thought into and, and, and you try to ex- execute accordingly. What do you think if someone were to judge you on your, and people do, what what would you most want to be judged on uh, that you put out of that kitchen what what would what would you take to a competition oh that's a good question i i I really don't know because i we cover the menu covers a large uh, array of like skill sets so i honestly don't know i mean if if there's something that I will never leave the menu there, it's probably the chicken fried trout. So I mean, mm-hmm. I'd carry that to a competition. I think it's a smart plate of food. And your salads. I've brought people a little bird from out of town. And, uh, you know, of all things they've said, I've never had a salad like that before. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. The butter lettuce. I'm the sorry. butter lettuce. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I was absolutely, thank you for, for helping me out there. I'm one who has a, not a great memory for actual, I know, I know butter lettuce, mm-hmm. but uh, I've had a few salads there. So that was one, that's one that comes to Stands mind. Stands out. Yeah. yeah. I got no plans to change that one either. Yeah. I, I, I hold on to the butter lettuce, the chicken fried trout and the cassoulet. And then I think that the rest of the menu is large enough to play around with and, and that. I can I can always have those, and I think as a as a chef, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, especially in this town, when so much is seasonal, you have your create you get your creative fix because of what's available out there and what you what you get yeah. to do and are forced to do based on what's what. Yeah, definitely, and and you're kind of forced into it. And uh, to be honest, I don't think that. Um, that I got really good at forecasting it until the last uh, couple years, but it's uh, it's it's not exactly old hat yet. But I'm already thinking about fall. I know I said it's you know the lines at Salt and Straw are going down because it's fall. It's not really quite yet, but we're thinking about it already. We're fo- we're forecasting that. So tomatoes are I can't have tomatoes on the menu for that much. So let's go ba- let's go back a little bit because we I got your bio. It's all. It's all uh, a resume. It's mm-hmm. what you've done career-wise. And I want to get into a little bit about what you do outside the restaurant. And what I find when I ask many chefs that there's not much they do outside the <laughs> no. restaurant. <laughs> no, there, really, there isn't, actually. Um, and uh, just in the last couple of years, I've tried to change that because uh, I, I just uh, I want to have some longevity. And, and I don't think that, uh, that you can have that in a, such a redundant life. So what are you doing? Family life? I mean, are you a single guy? What's the- no, no. I have a uh, girlfriend of nearly nine years now, mm-hmm. um, Gabriella Ramos, who uh, is also she's an artist and she waits tables at the Pigeon part time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you do you, do you talk shop or do you try to get away from it? We talk shop a little bit. I mean, not 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 a lot. Um, and then you know, outside of that, I took to running. I don't I don't know why. I think I I think because I wanted to break. Uh, what what can be an unhealthy lifestyle in the business where you just you're committed to twelve and fourteen hour work days and when you have a whiskey and a beer and you have a whiskey and a beer and you get six hours of sleep and you get up in the morning and you go back and uh, that that was the kind of redundancy that I was trying to break when I when I took to running. So how much running are you doing now? 
And uh, do you ever run with Gregory? Or I don't run with, Gre- run with Gregory. Greg- Gregory ever? is out of my class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing what? Two hundred miles this this weekend? Or last yeah, weekend? yeah. He's shadowing a friend. He's 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 a pacer, and yeah, I keep track of him. I I've done three half marathons. Um, I I just start marathon training today. Oh, great! And we'll see if we can do it. I don't. I, I honestly don't know. But oh, you'll do it, right? I'll, I'll you, give it a shot. You pretty much, I would imagine in your life, have you set goals and achieved them? Or are you a goal-setting type I, person? I am a goal-setting person, yeah. And so uh, are you, what kind of goals do you have set for Little Bird that you haven't achieved yet? Uh, oh, man, that's hard to say. I, I don't know that I've, I have necessarily have any goals set for, for Little Bird. I, uh, uh, I don't know. I Little Bird was a goal. You know that that was achieved, and you know when when it's all said and done, um, you know I guess the next move after that is 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 would be chef owner on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the next big step. And Little Bird was basically a vision that was set for you because Gabriel and you and Gabriel had worked together at Gotham, mm-hmm. and then at La Pigeon, and he respected you so much, as I understand it, he wanted an outlet for you and a he, place for you. He did, yeah. And that's pretty impressive to have a guy like Gabriel Rucker who's saying, not only do I want a place for him, but I'm confident enough in him that he doesn't need to be next to me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's that's huge. But, um, uh, you know, not, not only can uh, Gabe do it, not, I was Great. It was. Uh, I could never thank him enough. Uh, Gabe's one of those guys who who uh, puts together some unrealistic stuff and always just makes it work. Actually, uh, when Gotham closed, I left the city and uh, I didn't know if I was going to stay. And Gabe actually talked me back into the city. One, he said he would have a job waiting for me when I got back, which um, he did have one waiting for me at Nostrana. And then he also said, and in the interim, I'm going to find something for the two of us to do together. And he made that work within three months after me taking a job at Nostrana. I mean, how big is that? That's Those right. are unrealistic statements. Especially he, he was a kid. good at him. He what, was, was he, 22? <laughs> yeah, no, he was a little older than that, no, but he was no. a kid regardless. Well, a so he just, I think he was 24. Right, he was 24. I'm sorry, my math was wrong. But he just he's uh, just celebrated 33, I believe. Yeah. And how about you? Are you guys the same? So you, you can't be much younger because you were... Cooking together. I'm I'm older than Gabe. I'm yeah, substantially. I substantially, have, you I'm don't 38. look. Thirty-eight. No. Keep running, man. You look <laughs> yeah, good. I will. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, so you started your first cooking experience was in Michigan, mm-hmm. and then you ended up in Scottsdale, Arizona. How did that? How did I, that I just took a uh, a sous chef job for an employer that I had in Michigan. So you know, Michigan was a real Grand Rapids, Michigan, anyways, real meat and potatoes kind of dining scene. It started to change around the time I started cooking. Um, and I spent four years, uh, I took a job as a uh, dishwasher at a place called Roses on Reed's Lake. It was kind of one of our first nicer restaurants. <clears throat> I left four years later as a, the sous chef there to uh, cook at a place called the Sierra Room. The Sierra Room had their first uh, like New York chef. And these two uh, local girls opened this place and they, uh, they put their... Uh, their job for a chef in uh, the New York Times and, and acquired, you know, a, a line cooker, a kitchen manager at New York City. But but it was somebody who had seen food um, and it was somebody who was bringing something to Grand Rapids, Michigan that we hadn't seen before. 
so I migrated over there, and I, I took a lot from the experience, and I left there as a sous chef, and I followed the New Yorker to Scottsdale, Arizona, because it was an easy way out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, so many people, I've lived in Phoenix mm-hmm. and Tucson, so many people from Michigan end up in Arizona. Is that... Yeah. Is it, what is what is it about that? I don't know. I think we're running away from, uh, you know, negative two temperatures. So. It's just the extreme. You go yeah. from one to the other. One I went from Syracuse, other. New York to Tucson. So Yeah, and I, and I found that I didn't like the opposite extreme any more than I liked. Exactly. And I <laughs> left there, too. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody in Michigan, listen up. You can save yourself a trip to Arizona here. Yeah. Please, take our advice. <laughs> so when you, uh, how'd you end up in Portland? How, what was the... What transpired? Uh, Scott Dolich, actually. It's uh, he, you know, like any young cook, I always got the the new uh, food and wine magazine, and uh, you know, for the top ten best new chefs. And who are these guys? And what are they being recognized for? Um, Scott Dolich was was one of them that year. I can't remember what year that was. I'm gonna I'm gonna think it was 2003 because I think it's 10th anniversary of Park Kitchen. Was, yeah. I don't know if that. That that coincided with that article, but I would imagine it was about mm-hmm. then. And uh, out out of the ten, his menu was the funnest to me. And I was just at home, going, you know, looking at menus and restaurants on on the computer. And his menu was the funnest to me. And I started, you know, Portland was not um, a place that I was thinking about moving to. But the Park Kitchen led to the menu at Clark Lewis, and led to the menu at. Uh, at the Gotham Building Tavern, and then I just thought um, there's something fun happening there, um, and it's not huge. It's not like going to Chicago or or New York, where it, it's you're just lost in a huge culinary sea, which I didn't Especially want at that time. Yeah, now yeah. you might it might be easier to get lost. <laughs> totally, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot easier to get lost. Yeah, and I just thought something's going to happen there. I, I, I knew I just I knew it was going to happen, and I thought if you're going to go, go now, get your foot in the door while you got a chance. So I moved here blind. I'd never been here. And you didn't have a job yet when you landed here. I did or? not have a job. When I and so how'd you get the job at Gotham Building Tavern? A funny uh, story. Um, I hope Tommy Habits hears this. Uh, Gabe does not like this story, but it's true. I stashed there and was offered a job, and I didn't take it because I I thought Gabe was a loose cannon. I didn't. I didn't want to work. I would think Gabe. that he would. That that was. But <laughs> that you're referring to the past, yeah. right? He's no longer. Uh, I I'm not even implying that he was, but he's mm-hmm. not a loose cannon now. No, no, not at all. But I, but yeah, I just thought, man, this this place is run by this crazy sous chef. He's just a kid. He's out of his mind. He's really talented, but he's a loose cannon. No. And who else was there then? Tommy and Tommy. Uh, Jason Barwakowski was there at the time. Um, uh, yeah, it was a fun kitchen. There was a lot of talent there. And I didn't take the job, so I, I kept stashing around. I was holding out for a sous chef job at Fife when uh, Fife was still around. That was one of my favorite places. I, liked I Fife really a liked lot. Fife a lot. And uh, Marco did not give me the job. He, he promoted somebody from within. Uh, two years later, he told me he felt like he made a big mistake. <laughs> it's like, always Thanks, good to hear that. I was like, yeah, yeah it's it was really nice. It was nice to hear that. But I was holding out for this job. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get that sous chef job. I was really disappointed. And uh, nearly a month after my stash at Gotham, I sent Tommy Habits an email and said, "Hey, if you don't think I'm too much of a jerk and you still got work, um, I got to start cooking now. I need to. I got bills to pay and whatnot." And I'm in Portland. What else am no. I going to do? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> so so Tommy goes. I don't think you're a jerk at all. I still got a job for you. So, that so was, Tommy hired you. Mm-hmm. 
And then do you remember, uh, so you had this impression of Gabe going in, and do you remember the moment when you said, you know what, that wasn't, that wasn't, uh, or what happened? I think it was about, I think it was about two or three weeks later, I still thought that he was a loose cannon, but um, uh, I still had not worked with that kind of like raw, untapped talent before either. And it was, um, it was apparent right away. It was... My mom called me about a month later and asked me how the job was going. And I said it was was fine. Um, You know, the restaurant was busy. I really liked the food. Um, But I I clearly stated there's this kid here, this this, uh, sous chef, and um, he's got star written all over him. He, uh, he, he, his, the way he conceptualizes food and produces it is effortless. And I've never actually worked with anything like it. And uh, when the Food and Wine magazine for for his top ten came out shortly after we opened the Pigeon, my mother called me on it right away. And she said, "You called it." Yeah. She called you, and you she called. called it. She called she me called, and said, said, "You, you called, called it. it." Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. So, does that? Uh, do you think that is that's just inherent in Gabe, right? He didn't. Yeah. He didn't. He had to learn it, but he, you know, when he went to school, and it just there weren't the opportunities to display this culinary talent. It wasn't yeah. until he actually got got in that environment where it came out. Yeah, there you know, there's so many people who have good ideas but they don't know how to bring it to the table until um, you know, they're exposed to a restaurant experience where you where you you can see how it's it can be made practical. Um, and Gabe didn't seem to have that issue. He, um, he he seemed to be able to troubleshoot things in his head almost immediately. So he so they weren't even trouble. They were just they were in trouble. He right. he could put together a plate of food, and he knew how we were going to execute it off the line. So what do you think he saw in you? And at what point was it where he said, "This guy's special"? He's uh, you, know, you both obviously have a lot of respect for each other. Yeah. Um, I, I think initially, uh, I, I've never told him this before. I, I don't know if he would deny it or not. I think initially it was almost selfish. He just thought, I, you know, I'm, inef- I'm inevitably going to do my own thing, and this guy can produce my vision, whether I'm standing next to him or whether I'm taking the day off. So I, I think he thought, I'm going to get some sort of consistency out of out of what I need because this guy's going to produce it, and, and I'm, I'm never going to send it back. And so are you, did you develop a, a great friendship or oh, yeah. was it more of a, just a uh, business respect? No, we developed a great uh, friendship, but I don't think that that happened until, uh, you know, we were working at the Pigeon together. Um, and then you get to know each other pretty intimately when you're yeah. working like that every day. Yeah, especially the first couple of years too. Well, the first year, you know, we were closed on Monday and Tuesdays. We still did brunch. Um, and we worked a five-day work week, so we were, you know, shoulder to shoulder uh, five days in a row. And so you guys just hit the ground running at Le Pigeon, and Andy Fortgang is a consummate front-of-the-house mm-hmm. guy. He's fantastic with wine. Yep. Um, that was kind of a, the stars aligned for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, for, for Gabe and I, too, there needed to be um, – I don't know some some sense of professionalism, a, a handler of sort of sorts that we we got out of Andy, who was just like, I'm just going to crack the whip and put these guys in line, and, and and now we'll have a business. These two can cook, great, right? But but we need to. And you're in a weird space, in a space that did not succeed before. You know that was a risk. Yeah, yeah, it was a big risk. But I, you know, when Andy came along, um, the the pigeon was doing well at that point. I mean, that's I, I think. Why he was like, great, 
I'm going to buy into this, and then we're going to do more. And did you have the was the vision for Little Bird at that point in time, or no, no? How long in advance of Little Bird did that start? Were there conversations? I honestly don't know. I mean, that that conversation started between Gabe and Andy, and then, um, you know, they 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 wanted to expand, but they didn't know what they wanted to do. It was, uh, you know, the the bistro seemed logical. And it's uh, it's. It's done really well, lots mm-hmm. of accolades, and I know Gabriel from the get-go was very clear when people were calling it his restaurant to point the finger to you and say, this is Eric's. Yeah, it was, kind of, it was flattering, and it was also kind of nerve-wracking at the same time. <laughs> was it a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. And it, was, you, it was huge. Was it the first year out of the box you got Restaurant of the Year? No, it was the second year. Second year. Well, that's And, what, and that's... to tell you the truth, were, we were so busy out of the gate and um, uh, that... Um, you know, truth be told, I don't think we deserved it the first year. I don't think we, uh, I don't think we had tied it down. And so, that when do you think you deserved it? At what point? I, I think we did the the year we got it, the second year. Oh, the second year. Okay. I mean, I'm I was sorry. really, I was really um, a, a little bit frustrated with our inability to just like tie the kitchen down and let's get this thing right. And uh, um, out of frustration, we just kind of dug our heels in and. What wasn't right the first year? What were you frustrated with that you that that could have been better that would help other people who were starting restaurants maybe identify that and uh, what I found and I found the hard way there is that you can't you can't just produce what you want to produce. You have to produce what the what what the space wants to produce. And um, you know I think a lot of our menu is defined by the physical space itself. And uh, I started to get smarter about well, I've only got these. The grill cook only has access to these two burners. Saute cook only has access to these two burners. And, um, you know, we started to think a little bit more about the execution of the food, not so much what we wanted to do, but what we could do. So we we put together what we could do, and then we tried to raise the bar a little bit from there. And we kept raising the bar a little bit um, to the point in which, uh, you know, our, uh, you know, like I said, the menu is defined by the space a little bit, but we got really clever about the menu production with, with the space. Um, and that's when we started to have consistency. That's when we started to have nice food. So that was year two. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, the first year was, was scary. I mean, I remember days where, um, uh, especially the first couple of months where people were like physically trying to open a locked door for, for lunch. Like they have, the burger is in there. Shaking. <laughs> don't let them in here. <laughs> Do you have much interaction with your customers? Do you go out and, and, I, I, and, I don't, it's a closed kitchen, which I'm not used to. I mean, I do go out there from time to time. People want to, to talk to the chef and, and I have no qualms with going out there to do that. But you're definitely like, we work in a closed environment for sure. It's, it's, it's louder and, um, and you know, the language is a little more profane and, uh, <clears throat> well, that's that's one of the advantages. It is one of the advantages. You don't have to hold back. Totally. And I think if you can let loose, then what's cooking in the pan probably yeah. get benefits from that, that, that there's lots of passion and energy and crea- yeah. creative stuff going on. And we did. We let loose a little bit. and um, I, I like it. I mean, I miss being um, a little bit part of the dining experience with the guest. I mean, nothing's more intimate than cooking at the Pigeon. It's, it's like having a dinner party every night. We're hosting a dinner party every night, and I miss that um, a little bit. But I also really like being in the closed environment where 
you know, our business is our business, and and we're we're loud and vocal and a little profane about it. So you've got a lot of experience. I would imagine at this point, if I asked you what you like least about the business, there probably isn't a lot because you've fixed them, fixed those things, and you're in the position to fix them. Yeah, yeah, I would, I, I would think so. I, I got no, uh, I have no gripes with the business. Um, I don't think I would be doing it this long or, or working this hard uh, if I had any problems with it. What about events in Portland? It's It seems to be one of the, I think one of the pleasing things to chefs, but also the bane of their existence because they have to learn to say no yeah. after a while. Um, but uh, getting out, especially right now, we're getting over summer. Mm-hmm. Did you do a lot of events this summer? I did. Do you I, enjoy I, doing them? I did do events this summer. I did not do as many as I did last summer because, uh, you know, like you said, you learn to say no. And uh, I, I didn't say no as often as I should have in the previous summer. And it was hard on the kitchen. It's, uh, it not only does it take me out of the kitchen, but there's uh, just that much more production that's happening in a small space, and you have to store the food. And this um, this summer, I learned to say no. Do you think it's necessary for you to get out there and and do events and have your name on marquees? I, and is, no, that, is that I, part of the marketing equation for? Portland. I know every restaurant is different. Some need marketing and PR more than others. Uh, but I would imagine Little Bird. You're not. You're. You got a nice. You're crowded every night. I would imagine. We're do, yeah. We're uh, we're crowded. We're doing and well. days. I don't think it's necessary for our marketing, um, but I do think it's necessary uh, just to shake things up a little bit and um, to to recenter the kitchen a little bit to. Uh, you know, you always bring a sous chef or a line cook with you when you do something like that. And um, it's good. It's healthy for everybody involved. Let's get out of here for a day. Let's do something different. So what's the quality that you're when you're talking about sous chefs and getting people getting out with people? What is the quality you're looking for most when you hire? Is there a certain personality trait or is it more skill set what is it that uh uh you know i look for a little uh humility uh anybody who's humble is uh somebody who who i want to hire i don't uh i don't like to hire egos our 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 uh our statement always to new hires is that we take the food seriously but not ourselves um and as long as i you know there's a, a look of recognition when you say that then uh then there's a good chance you're going to get a job. Sous chefs, uh, you know, ideally you always want to promote from within, and you always you always do that to somebody who's really hard on themselves. Is that somebody's going to manage themselves, and you don't have to reprimand them. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, uh, and you can't identify that till you worked with someone for quite a while, and yeah. and then you still don't know if they're going to be able to handle the responsibility. You, you, s- you still don't know. Although I did. And, so. and you've got a lot at stake at a restaurant like Little Bird. You can't have, okay, well, we had a bad month because I promoted the wrong person. Yeah. No, no, you can't have that. And we did. We just did a sous chef transition, and it just it, it just went off without a hitch. Who's your new sous chef? Uh, her name is Marcel Crooks. She's been a line cook there for a long time. And, you know, like I said, she's one of those people who's just so hard on herself that I don't need to reprimand her. I know she's doing that to herself. I would imagine she was beside herself to be promoted to sous chef at Little Bird. She was, yeah, she was thrilled. Uh-huh. I think, I hope she was thrilled. Yeah, I lost a uh, longtime sous chef, Trevor Payne, who uh, moved back to his hometown of Asheville, North Carolina, um, hopefully to open his own place. And Asheville is 
It's uh, up and coming. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I've been there. It's a little, well, I was there a few years ago. A little like Portland, but a little. It's oh. not. It's as much as it can be given its size. Yeah, put it that way. It's got it, the same attitude. Yeah, and, and it's and it sounds like their dining scene is where Portland's was, you know, ten years ago. Right, but it'll never be as big as this because it's not as big as this. Yeah, it can't get that big. It's in the mountains. Yeah, um, oh, maybe it can. I don't know, but that would be thirty or forty years down the road. Yeah. this is this is a, well, it's a small town, but it's a big city. That's I love the size of it. It's perfect. Yeah. What do you like most about Portland? Well, it's uh, it's hard to say. I feel like I've I haven't done anything but work since I moved. That's a here. terrible thing. There's so much here to enjoy. Do you get out to the coast? Do you get to the mountains? I, I get to the coast a bit. I hike in the gorge. Um, I uh, yeah, I like to uh, to go up to Mount Hood. Um, uh, I, I haven't done a lot of traveling though. I've I, you know I've been here nearly nine years, nine years or more, um, and I've never seen Eugene never seen crater lake wow well everybody's benefited by that because your your lack of ability to get out means that the product is there for everyone to eat but at some point some balance perhaps yeah. older than you you need some balance i do I'm just telling some, you at some I, point thank you i i do need that so that, i haven't seen my folks in two years you know i gotta go home and do they come out here from time to time yeah so uh when people come out here when friends of yours come out here where, what do you tell them to do where are, the, where are you sending them Oh man, I usually um, I send them to the gorge. Um, I send them to the rose garden. I mean, it, it sounds a little hokey, but I like to go up there and mm-hmm. see the city and hey, check it out. There's Portland. So where are you sending them to eat? Um, I send them to Nong's for lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I usually send them to the bird or or the pigeon for for dinner. Um, and uh, increasingly, I send them to Boxer Sushi for dinner, which is where I have dinner, I think, at least once a week. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's your, uh, that's that's saying a lot because you don't get out a lot. I don't get out. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. You have once a week to get out. Mon- Monday night, I have I have dinner at, at Boxer Sushi, and which I, I just think is the best raw fish in town. That's very interesting. I w- one would think that you'd be kind of curious. You you're in a community of great chefs that you'd be curious about their restaurant and mm-hmm. want to try that or feel, oh my God, I got to go. I got to get over there just to show my face. Yeah. And because I'm sure that people do that with you and, but you're just happy to eat well and enjoy yourself on a Monday night and not, yeah, not and be I, political. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm stuck in my ways too. It's I, I can walk there. I can wander down the street and, you know, have the National Geographic under my arm and hunker down in the corner there and, and, and go through a, a, a long, uh, delicious omakase and and, and so uh, do you do omakase yeah. every time you go every time that's fair. i haven't been, i haven't been there in a while and i've heard a few chefs mention it yeah. and so guess that's good reason to get back yeah i think so i mean i, I branch out I, there are times when i feel like i haven't been there in a long time it would be and you use the word political yeah it is you do think i should make an appearance there soon they're at the bird all the time. I should swim. Right. I, I would think. Do you get to Tommy's for sandwiches? And, I do, and, yeah. Well, he's also right next door. Too. Oh, right. Right. So you get there. Does he so, bring them over for you? No. he does, I don't. Just because he's expecting something back, maybe? No, but I uh, I eat more of Tommy's sandwiches than, than he probably cares to know about. So, oh. I mean, they are, right, like I said. They're What's right his best sandwich? What's, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm the pork belly Cubano guy. Oh, he does a great pork belly Cubano. Yeah, he does. 
I remember when he just had the the place over on uh, Morrison. Mm-hmm. What a fantastic! Sitting at the chef's counter and watching him make sandwiches all day and talking to him about pizza and hot dogs because we're both from back east, from mm-hmm. Connecticut. Really nice guy, and I follow him on Facebook, and he's got a big heart. It, the guy has a huge heart. Tommy, as as uh, another uh, former employer of his, said uh, Travis Engel, who works for me. Tommy's got the biggest heart in the world. Mm, I've I've seen that just. Uh, from Facebook, who are some of your other favorite people? Just chefs as people, not necessarily the. I like the Dentons. I like Greg, Greg and Gabby. I think they're phenomenal. I think they're. Uh, I think they're good chefs, and I think they're good people. They are. Uh, they run an incredible restaurant. Yeah, they most certainly do. There's no. I have never been there and not just been thinking. My sign of a good restaurant is when I'm always thinking, God, I got to come back here more often. Yeah. Why aren't I here more often? Mm-hmm. I do that at Aviary a lot. Yeah. Too. Um, I'm not there enough, but no, you know, I can only I. get out and eat. Same thing with Little Bird. Yeah. I haven't been, I certainly haven't been there enough, so mm-hmm. I'll get back. Um, so what are your, some of your favorite dishes at Little Bird now that you're making? Oh, uh, yeah, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we have, uh, one that I'm really, two that I'm really happy with right now is roasted bo- uh, bone marrows on this kind of toasted garlic and rosemary flatbread with, um, braised smoked beef tongue, caramelized onions, and, and chanterelles. Mm. It's uh, fried capers. It's uh, it's a little much, but uh, I like it because it's a little much. Um, we also, another one I'm happy with right now, I, I don't know, I got on a big kick of using freeze-dried peas and corn lately too. I don't know why. You find something every now and then, you're like, I'm just going to use this until I... Until you can't. Until I can't anymore. And I, I, I took to doing this kind of like charred bravas sauce with um, fried potatoes, crispy sweetbreads. We did the, the Juan Marie eggs, the Arzac eggs, olive oil poached eggs, which are so cool, and then just crushed freeze-dried peas over the top of the whole thing. And uh, it's stupid simple, but it eats, uh, it eats just like it should. How much research do you do as a great chef to keep up? There obviously, things that you wouldn't have known about three or four years ago that now you come second nature. Or is it all, as you were describing, Gabe, where it's just inherent and you see an ingredient and you go, this will go with this? Um, you know, it's kind of a six to one. Every now and then it's inherent. and Other times you just, you know you need to change it. You can't use corn anymore. And... Um, you, you you pick a protein you, or you pick an ingredient that you want to use, and if nothing comes to you naturally, you just kind of have to hit the bricks and, and, and figure something out. And then there's some research on your... And do you rely on your staff at all? Do you have meetings and say, hey, I'd like to... Any, do you get suggestions? No, we don't. We honestly don't get to do uh, like meetings, kitchen meetings at the Little Bird because it's in constant production. I, I, I don't know when we would actually all have the time to sit down together. It's, it would be impossible. But I, we definitely do, you know, staff suggestions. It's, and how much influence does Gabe have on your menu and what goes on at Little Bird? Uh, sl- slim to none. Um he does, I mean, he can be influential and, like, I, I do see him once a week and he's like, check this out, we're doing this right now. And I go, oh, how, are, how are you producing that? Uh, why would you do it that way? And so on and so forth. I mean, I think that uh, the, the, the pigeon is ahead of us when it comes to new technique. So I definitely get, you know, a forward-thinking technique out of Gabriel and then we just try to apply it to the bird. 
So are you tempted to when you see, I would imagine it would be tough when you see something that looks great and tastes delicious. Are you tempted to say, I'll just make that over here? But why don't I just do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Or do you just avoid it because you, you, you have to avoid it and you, it's too bad for us? You avoid it because because you have to because it's just it, it seems like riding on someone's coattails. I mean, you never want to just take somebody's shtick. You know. Well, but yeah, but he's an owner of the restaurant. There's nothing wrong with it. You wouldn't be stealing. No, you're you're right about that. But I, you know, I would know. You know, falling asleep at night, I would think of it as stealing. But even if you discussed it with him and said, "Hey, I really like that, and I'd love to," or maybe put my own spin on it. Just a well, is that that's different? I wouldn't. uh, You know, I'd have no issues with that. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's that's more sampling than stealing. So uh, anything coming up at Little Bird that, that uh, you haven't done before that in the next year, next two years, your vision for five years or however long it may be? Um, no, no, I mean, we, t- we take the bird day by day. It's, um, it, it's, it's a little bit of a beast. So, uh, yeah. No, it's a little bit of a lepidion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had, couldn't avoid that. Uh, I, it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, give the. Are, do you do much social media? Are you a big social media person? Uh, a little bit. I'm. At, honestly, I'm. I'm not that good at it. But yeah, I mean, I, you're I, almost forced to as a chef now. You're, you're forced to, to as a bit. chef. And like you know, we have. Uh, we work with with some PR people, and like I have a Twitter account, but I didn't set it up. They did. Right. Um, but you can post to it. Totally. And what would that be? Is it at Little Bird PDX or at Little Bird? Um, no, I think my t- my Twitter is is at Eric Van Clay. Yours is. Yeah. And then there's one for the restaurant. I think there's. I'm not sure if there's one for the restaurant or not. Actually, here I've got it here. You would know better than I. Oh. Oh, so it's Little Bird PDX on Twitter, probably yeah. on Instagram too. If it's not on Instagram, you got some beautiful food. Better than viewing it on a screen. Mm-hmm. Go eat it. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah. That's, that's I think, the key. Yeah. yeah. Thanks very much, Eric, for coming by. I know you've got a busy schedule, and uh, really appreciate you coming by uh, to talk. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. All right. It was, it was fun. I, I always find it fun. I learned a lot. I really did. I, a, and if I learned something, I hope other people do, too. Yeah.